0: That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello
1: and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young. Welcome to October. It feels like that should mean the postseason, but we actually still got five days left in the regular season, including today. So there's still moves happening. There's still fantasy matchups to be won. lot still hangs in the balance. First big move of the day, Francisco Alvarez was, in fact, promoted to the Mets, made his Major League debut Friday, hit seventh as the D.H., team made room by placing Darren Ruff on the IL. So the small side of a platoon is open for Alvarez even without catching. And it seems that may be his role. His debut, not great. 0 for 4. But the bat will play. It Just, you know, we'll see how quickly it plays. With a righty on the mound for Atlanta today, it'll be interesting to see if Alvarez is back in the lineup. Maybe he comes in to pinch hit. I suspect he regularly starts against lefties, but that might be all. Ketel Marte placed in the 10-day IL, ending a pretty frustrating season for his fantasy managers, and I'm sure for him as well. Marte basically repeated his 2020 season after breaking out in 2021. Through the first half, everything looked good, but the second half was a disaster. K-rate spiked, walk rate cratered, home run for fly ball rate fell, BAPIP fell. He's worth a deep dive in the offseason, and I'd also keep an eye out for any news about lingering injuries or anything like that that may have impacted his second half. After getting his first save, Caleb Ort was sent down as the Red Sox brought back Jaron Duran. Duran played center field, led off with one for four with one of only three hits for Boston on the night. I still think Duran proves to be a valuable fantasy player long term, but I don't expect ton from him this week. As anticipated, the Yankees activated D.J. LeMayhew from the I.L. Friday. He was at third base, hitting fifth, went 0-3, for and then was pulled from the game. Apparently, Aaron Boone suggested before the game that D.J. may not play the full night, so think this was planned and just easing him back to prepare for the postseason. Tim LeCastro sent down to make room. The Mariners placed Kirk Casali on the paternity list. That's unfortunate timing for him, I guess. He missed the postgame celebration Friday night, but he's got more important stuff going on. Brian Keefe up as a temporary backup catcher. The Phillies brought back Derek Hall, who was showing some intriguing power during his last stint in the bigs. There isn't an obvious spot for him to play. That played out Friday as he was on the bench for Game 1 of the doubleheader, and then Game 2 was rained out. Yaira Munoz sent down to make room. We'll have to see if Hall is in the lineup at all for either of the games today. Yankees still expecting to have Matt Carpenter back for either their final series of the regular season or for the playoffs. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll have much notice on when he'll be back or what his role is going to be, so for fantasy purposes... Probably not a lot you can do. Zach Britton left the Yankees game. He tossed a pitch to the backstop and then called into the dugout. We'll wait for an update, but his history does not suggest this is good. Also a reminder of a couple upcoming returns. Zach Plesak back today. Tony Gonsolin on Monday. Top performers on the field on Friday. JT Realmuto Muto did something Friday that had only been done six times all season. He stole three bases in a single game. That also got him up to 21 on the year making him the second player ever to go 2020 primarily playing catcher. He's a top the Rasball player rater for the catcher position, and only Dalton Varsho is really even close to him. There will be a lot of chatter about who should be the top catcher taken in 2023. Real Muto still the top bat at the position for me, though his age does present some risk. Jake Fraley, three for four with a home run, the only Reds run on the day. He's been terrific versus right-handed pitching and is a must-start when facing a righty. Oswaldo Cabrera, two for four with the home run. It was the only Yankees run on the day. He's been very, very good in September. He's got a decent track record in the minors, but projections not super optimistic. I'm curious what role the Yankees see for him, but I suspect he's more of a utility guy than a regular starter, which will make him sort of a non-factor for fantasy. George Springer with a combo meal, two for four, two runs, three RBIs. It was his 25th home run and his 14th stolen base. For Springer, as always, it's just about staying on the field. As you look towards next year, I just wouldn't really bank on more than 130 games, maybe up to 140, and be aware it could be less. Cal Raleigh came on as a pinch hitter and walked the Mariners off into the postseason with his 26th home run. When everyone in 2023 drafts is fighting over Real Muto and Adley and Will Smith and Varsho, Raleigh's going to make some managers very happy in that next tier. Cody Bellinger hit his 18th home run and was two for four with a run and three RBIs. He has had some big games like this over the course of the season, but they haven't really turned into anything. He's off my 2023 radar, but I have this odd feeling that he's going to have a huge postseason and trick me into drafting him again. Evan Longoria hit not one, but two home runs Friday, his 13th and 14th. He has been solid, particularly for a third baseman when he plays, so feel free to ride him down the stretch. Other homers around the game, Reese Hoskins hit his 30th, Vlad Garo Jr. is 31st, Rymel Tapia his 7th, Jose Ramirez got his 29th, a 3-run shot that moved him up to 122 RBIs. Drew Waters hit his 3rd, Michael Massey his 4th, Carlos Correa hit number 22, Thomas Nito hit his 3rd, he's clearly not ready to give up that catching job in New York. Austin Riley hit his 38th, Matt Olson his 31st, and Dansby Swanson his 23rd. All three of those Atlanta home runs are off Jacob DeGrom. Alex Bregman hit his 23rd, Taylor Walls got his 8th. Albert Pujols hit number 22. That was his 701st for his career. Joe Adele hit his 8th. Luis Ranjifo hit his 17th. Shay Gliers hit his 4th. Eloy Jimenez hit his 16th. And Mike Yastrzemski hit his 16th as well. As for stolen bases, Alec Bohm stole his 2nd. Bryce Harper took his 10th, as did Bryson Stott. Isaiah kiner falefa stole his 21st. Cedric Mullins swiped his 33rd and 34th. Jake Cave stole his second, and Mark Contreras his first for the Twins. Jace Peterson now has 12, and Garrett Mitchell has half that with six. Key Brian Hayes took number 19. Dylan Moore stole his 21st. Hassan Kim stole his 11th. Elvis Andrews got his 16th. Jake McCarthy stole his 22nd. He also had three hits in that one. And Josh Rojas swiped number 21. Turning our attention to a mound, a lot of interesting pitching performances, starting off with a great pitchers duel as Sandy Alcantara and Corbin Burns faced off in a matchup that could be last year's Cy Young versus this year's. They did not disappoint. Both went eight innings. Sandy struck out eight while Burns K'd seven. Neither issued a walk. Sandy gave up five hits to Burns' four, and unfortunately for the fish, he also gave up the only run of the game, taking his ninth loss. Both of these two are set to start the last game of the season. Sandy probably will have a chance to sort of polish that Cy Young resume, but Burns, it depends what the Brewers are doing. If they've climbed into and claimed a wildcard spot by then, he may sit it out to prepare for the postseason. With their season on life support, the Orioles had Jordan Lyles on the mound. He did his part going seven innings, holding the Yankees to a run on four hits, struck out nine, tying a season high for him. He'll get another go this year with Toronto, Coming up on Wednesday, despite this performance, I still wouldn't risk that one. Bailey Falter had been cruising right along since late July until Atlanta torched him last time out. He bounced back Friday, shutting out the Nats over six, striking out six, walking two, and allowing three hits. He had 10 whiffs on 84 pitches and a 33% CSW. Given his second half, I suspect he'll get some nice draft helium, but I think he's more like a high threes into the fours ERA type, less than a K per inning most likely. The low walk rate will help control his whip, but I don't know, I'm not that excited about it, maybe a late round guy, and I certainly wouldn't risk him against Houston to end the season. Alec Manoa lined up for one more start before the postseason, but he is primed for the playoffs. Friday, he faced off with the Red Sox and shut them out over six, striking out four, walking two, giving up two hits. He's going to be very high on 2023 draft boards, and he belongs there. Joe Ryan was excellent for the Twins Friday, striking out eight and walking one, giving up five hits without a run over six. Yeah, it was the Tigers, but it still counts. This will be his last start of 2022, and it's worth looking at the new, more balanced schedule for 2023, because Ryan was brilliant against the AL Central this year, not so much against the rest of the league. Jacob deGrom fell to five and four on the year, but he gave up just five hits and zero walks in six innings. Problem was that three of those hits were those solo home runs I told you about earlier. He struck out 11, showing he still had his dominant stuff, but those mistakes killed him. Max Freed got the win, but only lasted five innings. He gave up a run in four hits, three strikeouts, no walks. His velocity was down, and he was pulled at 71 pitches with illness. Pretty impressive for starting while sick. DeGrom and Freed are lined up to start the final games of the season for their teams. Whether or not they do will probably depend on the standings. If that game matters, if those games matter, they'll go. If not, whichever team is set for the wild card will likely rest at their ace. Clayton Kershaw went six shutout, giving up five hits and two walks while striking out only four. So weird to say I wanted more when he got a win and a solid whip and didn't give up a run, but it was the Rockies and I'm going to say it anyways. I wanted more. Drew Rasmussen gave the Rays' pen a much-needed short night, going seven innings, giving up just two runs on five hits. Only struck out three, but didn't walk anyone, got a win and a quality start. He's set to start the season finale against Boston, but it'll be interesting to see what the Rays do. They've now clinched a spot in the playoffs, but that game could matter for home field or where they're going to play their wild card round. So we'll have to see how they treat their pitching rotation down the stretch. Great to see Jack Flaherty have success, and I am not allowing the fact that it was the Pirates against him to stop me from enjoying it. He had 18 whiffs and a 36% CSW, 6 innings, giving up a run on 4 hits and striking out 6 versus 2 walks. He gets another shot at Pittsburgh Wednesday and has a chance to give himself something to build on, both for the postseason and for 2023. Reed Detmers was excellent again, 6 innings, 1 run, 4 hits, 9 strikeouts and a walk. I'm going to have him on a lot of rosters next year. He was sent to AAA after a brutal June 21st start against Kansas City, rejoined the rotation on July 8th, and since then, 3.18 ERA, 2.68 FIP, 9.55K per nine. He's had some home run per fly ball luck, and I think he ends up more like a mid three ERA, but I'll take that all day. Logan Gilbert went deeper, but Ken Waldachuk was definitely more interesting. Gilbert lasted 8 innings, striking out 4, walking 2, and giving up 1 run on 3 hits. While Waldachuk also gave up 1 run on 3 hits with 2 walks, but it was over just 5 innings pitched. He also struck out 8 hitters. This is Waldachuk flashing the talent that isn't quite fully baked yet, but is really intriguing for the future. I suggested Brady Singer and Aaron Savali as streaming options, and for a while that looked great. But Singer six went sideways. He finished giving up six runs on seven hits and a walk over five and two-thirds, striking out six. Five of the seven hits, five of the six runs, and that walk came in the sixth inning. Rough final inning for his season. Savali, meanwhile, was better. Six innings, three runs, two of which were earned on three hits, five strikeouts, no walks. Got a win and a quality start. Savali gets a repeat with Kansas City on Wednesday, and I'd run him out there again. I've mostly been ignoring Adrian Sampson, but he keeps performing. Friday went seven innings, giving up a run on three hits with six strikeouts and two walks, bringing his ERA on the year down to 3.10. While his underlying performance isn't as good, a 3.81 FIP isn't bad. It's certainly a viable streamer. The Reds would have been a good option, but now he's done for the year, so you'll have to wait till next year to try it again. Davis Martin, not my first pick for a big night Friday. He's facing the Padres and turned in five and two-thirds strong innings, gave up a run on six hits without a walk, and struck out eight. His numbers of a starter have not been great. The Ks in particular have been lacking, but he was piling up Ks in AA and AAA this year. Don't think there's anything to get excited about yet, but maybe some interesting signs? Domingo Herman gave up two runs on three hits over five and a third, striking out six and walking three. He's turning in a surprisingly solid season, but I'm just not a big believer. I think we know who he is at this point, and I don't think this is him turning a corner. You Darvish struck out six, walked one over six innings, but gave up three runs on eight hits. That's a quality start, but no win. A bad ERA, a worse whip. Not terrible, but not ideal. He should start the final game of the year versus San Francisco. That would be sort of a last tune-up for the NLDS, and I'd use him there. Framber Valdez ran off that huge quality start streak and now was blown up two straight. Friday gave up six runs on nine hits with three walks over five and a third. He struck out just two. He is set for Philly on the last day of the season, and I would still start him there despite the rough stretch. Finally, Merrill Kelly, probably glad he has one more start because no way he wanted to end what has been such a strong season by giving up eight runs on nine hits and two walks over four and two-thirds innings. He struck out just two and allowed three home runs. Even with that disastrous outing, his ERA is under three and a half. I'd still let him start Wednesday against Milwaukee. On to the bullpens. For the Orioles, they were still trying to find a way to get into the postseason when they played their game. And with their season on the line, they brought out Felix Bautista to take the eighth facing the top of the Yankees order. He got his 13th hold. His only blemish was in a walk. That was an intentional walk of Aaron Judge. So, you know, you tell me whether that's actually a blemish. Then they went to DL Hall for the ninth. He struck out two in a perfect inning for his first career save. Interestingly, if he ends up back in the rotation next year, that could end up being his only career save. Unfortunately for the Orioles, both the Rays and the Mariners won, so their season is effectively over. They'll play out the string, but postseason hopes will have to wait till next year. say Kikuchi pitched three innings with the Jays up big and got his first save as a result. He struck out five, walked one, and gave up a hit. Kikuchi has now made 10 relief appearances, and while his strikeout numbers are insanely good, he still gets hit way too hard. Emmanuel Classe saved his 40th, striking up two in a perfect inning. Kenley Jansen hit a guy. Walked a guy, gave up a hit, but also struck out the side, getting his 38th save. He continues to be shaky, but he got the job done. Devin Williams also put three guys on base, two walks, and a hit for him. He also struck out the side, getting his 15th save. Ryan Helsley got his 19th save, striking out one and walking one. Giovanni Gallegos added his 12th hold in that one. I said Ryan Tepero was the best bet for Angels save, so of course Jimmy Hurgit gets his ninth on Friday. He struck out two in the process, so what do I know? And finally, Liam Hendricks saved his 35th, striking out two and a clean ninth. With that, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to the weekend. All right, welcome back. First things first, with all the weather going on around the country, definitely want to hear from Mark Paquette.
0: Thank you very much. We have some moisture from the remnants
1: of Hurricane Ian around tomorrow, but you know what? They're going to stay south of New York, kind of mainly just be a few showers around D.C. and... That's about it. Those are the only two games to watch, but I'm not expecting any major issues here. So go ahead and play whatever you got as we enter the last weekend of the major league baseball regular season. Thank you very much. Have a good one. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for streamers, I know I went with the guardian streamer on Friday, it worked out pretty well. I'm going to double down and go with Zach please today. I don't think he goes very long in this one. Probably not going to get a quality start. Maybe, maybe deep enough to get a win, but even that might be a reach. But I think he'll pitch well against the Royals. JP Sears, check out the Seattle lineup because if they have a hangover lineup after their clincher Friday night, he becomes an interesting option. If they are still going with their top lineup because they're trying to find a way into a home playoff series, eh, it's a little riskier. But I don't hate it anyways. As for where I'm looking at hitters, the Twins came up with seven runs Friday, and I think they put up another big number today against Drew Hutchison. Also, have your Phillies ready. They are supposed to have a doubleheader Friday. Instead, they're going to have that doubleheader today. They're facing Anibal Sanchez and Tommy Romero. They could put up some big, big numbers, and those are really important games for them. They should come out motivated. Looking around baseball, some really fun games this weekend. I know we now know all six AL playoff teams, but they're still seating on the line. We only know four NL playoff teams. As far as games to watch for those playoff implications Saturday and Sunday, you've got Jays and Red Sox. Jays have a one and a half game lead on Seattle to host the wildcard round. They're going to try to extend that lead while the M's host Oakland and Tampa right there as well. They're dealing with Houston. Real chance for the Mariners in particular to make up ground here, given the opposition each team's facing. And the NL, San Diego is taking on the White Sox. So they're looking to extend their wild card lead. Well, Philly could really use a sweep of their doubleheader in DC as Milwaukee's playing Miami. If Philly only splits and Milwaukee wins, those two teams are tied for the final wild card spot. And of course, that Atlanta-New York matchup with the NL East currently tied—that should be a great series. With that, enjoy the first day of October baseball for 2022. Scott Chu has you tomorrow, and then I'll be back with you Monday for my final first pitch of the season.